to invite you to turn with me to Daniel, the book of Daniel. We, this is our third week in this short series as we, we look at this important uh, book and so many stories that perhaps we grew up with in Sunday school but need to take a fresh look at and understanding and appreciation of what God's word would, would speak to us. So Daniel chapter 3 is where we're starting this morning. I'll invite you to stand as we prepare to receive this word. And in an attitude of expectation and prayer, I'll invite you to just uh, pray this prayer with me. Lord, this is your word to me today. May it be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Help me to hide this word in my heart that I might not sin against you. May I pray it in, read it through, live it out, and pass it on. Amen, amen. I just want to read down here through uh, verse uh, 7 as uh, we begin, but we'll actually be referring basically to the entire chapter. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come up to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. May God add his blessing to this word this morning. You can be seated. This morning I want to talk about that moment when the pressure is on and it feels like the rug has been pulled out from under you, when, when, when something happens and it just rocks you to the core, when, when you don't know what to do but you feel like your world is suddenly turned topsy-turvy and everything has been undone. You've probably been there, maybe recently. Maybe, maybe you're there right now. I ran into this a while ago. It's instruction, supposedly a part of the the manual for Peace Corps volunteers headed for South America, but it's called What to Do If Attacked by an Anaconda. Useful information, I hope. Duh. But these are the instructions. Number one, if you're attacked by an anaconda, do not run. The snake is faster than you are. Number two, lie flat on the ground. Three, put your arms tight at your sides and your legs tight against one another. Four, the snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. Five, do not panic. <laughs> after six, after the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet end, always from the feet end. Seven, 
the snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. Eight, when the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife, and very gently slide it into the side of the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg, then suddenly rip upward, severing the snake's head. Number nine, be sure your knife is sharp. <laughs> Number 10, be sure you have your knife. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, a few years ago, there was a book that came out. In fact, I think it was a series called Worst Case scenarios. Did you ever see that? Well, in the preface, the authors wrote, the principle behind this book is a simple one. You just never know. You never really know what curves life will throw at you, what's lurking around the corner. You never know when you might be called to choose life or death with your own actions. But when you are called, and you will be called, you need to know what to do. If you wait until a crisis hits, because it will hit You've waited too long. You need to be prepared first. The worst case scenario. This morning, I want to talk to you about a situation that seemed like an utter worst case scenario. And we find it here in this chapter of Daniel 3. We saw last week, if you were with us, that, that King Nebuchadnezzar had had a, an amazing dream about a statue. Now, he, he didn't learn his lesson very well, but sometime after that, he is building, in fact, his own statue and orders that the appointed time, at the appointed time, everyone is going to bow before it. And, 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 and pretty much, as we see, everyone does except for three young men whose names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, now remember, as we've looked at this in these three chapters, we've seen these three men who have been forced from their homes, their family, and even their names in Israel, and now the king is making it clear he's expecting them to also leave their faith, their religion, their allegiance to their God. They, like we, who follow God are living in exile. Now, what the statue of gold that is built here is, is uh, representing is kind of left vague in the story. For instance, there is no name given to this God uh, or, or for what the idol represents. The truth is Babylon has taken over many nations and cultures and peoples. There, there, there is a, just a, 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 a melting pot of all kinds of people going on here. But Babylon, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, wants to make sure he has unity in his empire, that everybody understands he is in charge. He is the man. And these cultures, most of them, all of them except for Israel, are quite frankly polytheistic, meaning they, they've got many gods. So he's thinking, well, just adding one more god to the pot is really not going to be a big deal. We'll just add another one to the pantheon, force everybody to worship this idol. We'll reinforce this truth that I am in power, I have the prestige, everyone will know I'm in charge. In other words, this really isn't so much a religious deal. 
It, it's a political one. It's, it's really about power. It's really about control. And he invests a, a lot of effort into positively motivating people to go along with him. And so he builds this statue, and I suspect it's beautiful. It's got art and majesty, and then he adds the music, an entire orchestra of every instrument he can think of. The, the statue would have been immense and impressive, standing 90 feet tall, gold-plated. It was of immense value and gloriously simmered, I'm sure, in the desert sun. Of course, then you have the music, and he sets the stage and the tone for, for worship. You'll, you'll notice in this story there are a number of lists that get repeated. It's really an artful way of telling the story. It's, it's communicating this sense of peer pressure. Everyone's doing it. Peer pressure that everyone is, is involved. Everyone is going to bow down to this idol. There is a very impressive gathering of leaders from all the nations that Babylon has control over. That's all on the positive motivation side. Get on board, get with it, do what everyone else is doing. And if that is not enough to compel you to bow down, of course, he makes a decree. He decrees that anyone who fails to comply, would, well, that will mean that you will be thrown into a blazing, fiery furnace. Now, you know this story. So I want you, however, to picture this in your mind's eye. A vast assembly of, of countless peoples, especially leaders, and this music begins to swell. The people, I told you, are highly motivated by Nebuchadnezzar as he has intended. In fact, literally in verse 7 it says, this is the text, as soon as they were hearing, they were falling. As soon as they were hearing, they were falling. You get the image. In fact, it, it causes me to think about what happens in North Korea have you ever watched a dear leader enter a room and how everybody begins to clap wildly and they go on and on and on because no one wants to be the first person to stop clapping because if you're the first person to stop clapping, you're the one whose loyalty is in question. That happens even today. This is kind of like that. Everyone, it seems, is complying. But... There's just a, a, a suddenly a, a little murmur, a, a ripple of noise in the crowd. It's quiet at first, but it grows louder until it's, it's even heard above the music. Suddenly, nobody is looking at the statue. Instead, their eyes are turned, and this is either an act of monumental courage or suicidal folly, but there are three men who are still standing. They will not bow their heads. They will not bend their knee. They will not fall down to worship this idol. Now, these young men, as you might suspect, actually have very powerful enemies. 
They have risen very quickly in the ranks in Babylon due to some of the blessing of God, we, we presume. But when this happens, these, these people who are watching this, they have an agenda. In fact, the Bible says at this time, astrologers, these would be high-ranking people. We talked about them in chapter 1. They came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, O majesty, live forever. You have issued a decree, and these three men are not obeying you. The word denounced literally means to eat pieces of them. It is a very, very graphic word. He intended, the writer intends to convey a sense of hostility that is deep for these young men. And because these guys have been placed in authority, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they want to knock them down. They want to get rid of them. This is a story about jealousy and rage. These, these guys see this as their chance to get rid of them. Now, it, it's really not a surprise, if you think about it, how Nebuchadnezzar reacts. The Bible says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good stop right there he's given them a second chance and you know if you think about it all you have to do is you can say oh I dropped something and act the part your heart doesn't even have to be in it just get it done it'll be very good it'll be over everything's forgotten and forgiven but if the Bible says if you do not worship, if you, will, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now, I, I want us to consider that statement. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? This falls into the category of a rhetorical question. Listen, King Nebuchadnezzar is not expecting an answer. He's not asking for information here. He's just making a point, isn't he? When I grew up, you know, my parents might say to me, it was probably their favorite rhetorical question, do you want a spanking? Remember that? No kid would ever say, well, I was thinking about going outside and playing, but if you think this would be really good for my character, I sure, go ahead and spank me. Let's go with your idea instead. That doesn't happen. It's a rhetorical question. It's a threat. What God will be able to deliver you? He's not looking for information. He's just reminding them that they really don't have a choice. But much to his surprise, uh, these are three men who do not treat this as a rhetorical question. And they've got something to say. And because they have faith in the God of Israel, a God who, who controls all human affairs, 
all of a sudden they know they've got options and so they say to him Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to the king O Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> boy this is brazen we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter and then these unbelievable words if we are thrown into the blazing furnace the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand now we need to camp right there for just a moment they proclaim this truth the God we serve our God is able listen uh, King Nebuchadnezzar he's not a myth he's not weak he's, he's not simply a king he is not an abstraction he's not even a lovely idea he's not like this statue that you built here in the desert no he is real he made everything that is he stands above time and space and history he is making himself known among the peoples of the earth he is able to save us from this furnace he is able to deliver us from your hand the God we serve is able and that's the first truth I want you to, to, to reflect on and chew on and know this morning that we serve a God who is able. Now, that is an incredibly important truth for me to convey to you this morning, that our God is, in fact, able. You need to, to know that. When, when, when I was a kid, I honestly thought my dad was the strongest man in the world. You know, he could outwork people. He could pick me up and throw me along the, you know, in the pool and we'd have so much fun and, and raise me up as high as I'd want to go and take me even higher. And, and, and I think about my kids and I try to do the same, you know, uh, in the pool and at the beach and pick them up. And, and I had to tell Caleb the other day, I can't do that anymore, son. You're 25 years old kidding but it's true right something changes my dad can't pick me up anymore because human power always has its limits human arms wear out but this we know smart and powerful Nebuchadnezzar as strong as you are as good as you look you're going to find a limit someday there will be an enemy, there will be a problem, there will be a, a diagnosis, there will be a disease, there will be a loss, there will be age, there will be death. But be sure of this, Nebuchadnezzar. Our gods never lost an ounce of his strength in his arms. And so we live in faith, not in fear, because the God we serve is able now, this is incredibly good news, and it's incredibly good news this morning. The God we serve is able to reconcile broken marriages. The God we serve is able to, to help and restore people from horrible addiction. The God we serve is able to, to heal damaged bodies and the God we serve is able to forgive the darkest of sins and make 
any person, a new creature. The, the God we serve is able to provide whatever needs we actually have. The God we serve is able to guide us with wisdom and grace. The God we serve is able to soften the hardest human hearts in the world. Our God is able. Now, folks, if we were another kind of church, we'd be kind of getting happy right now. And, you know, if I was another kind of preacher, there might be some dancing in the aisles and music's playing, you know. But we're not that kind of church. Uh, we're the quiet Quakers, so just look pleased for a moment, okay? Just, just, that's cool. It's good, you know. Help me out here. Oh, hey, good. But I want you to just hear this our God is able amen amen in fact why don't we say that together our God is able we know that he's good and so this week when you run into a problem or when someone doesn't like you or when something happens and you're feeling the pressure is on when a worry comes to your mind my God is able. Now, the reason these three men lived in faith and, and, and not fear is they lived in a universe where they knew a great big God, a God who had a history of, of surprising his people. So their focus was not particularly in that moment on a big giant Nebuchadnezzar or big giant statue that he created. It's on a God who is good and able. And so they say, we want you to know, O king, listen, but, but the reality is they don't even stop there. They go on to a statement of devotion that if you think about it, will take your breath away. I, I, I think these men new things don't always go the way they'd hoped think about that help me understand this because because they had prayed of course many times and their prayers weren't answered as they had hoped don't you think when they were in israel and babylon was threatening oh god please don't let babylon attack us it didn't happen oh god don't let babylon take the walls of jerusalem that's what they prayed. It didn't happen. Oh, God, please do not send us into exile to Babylon. Yet again, they were disappointed. They were thrown to a culture that they did not know. They must have prayed when, when, when they heard this statue was being built that there was a decree about ready to be made oh god please change the heart of nebuchadnezzar help him to see how wicked this is and help him repent of this evil they prayed but it it didn't occur they had prayed oh lord once this decree is made would would, would you make sure that it's not enforced but it was Maybe they had prayed that, that, that once the decree had been made and the music began, that people wouldn't notice that they were there standing. Think about it. Not one of their prayers had been answered, at least like they thought. At every point, disappointment. And now they're facing the very worst. The walls are closing in, the flames are getting hot 
and yet they testify once more, if we are thrown into the furnace, O king, we want you to know the God we serve is able to save us from it. But then in verse 18, one of the greatest statements of faith I think you're going to find ever made by a human being, they say, but even if he does not. Think about that. Our God can rescue us, Nebuchadnezzar, the God who drowned Pharaoh's armies in the sea, who caused Jerusalem. Jericho's walls to fall who, who, who caused Goliath to fall at a stone who brought manna in the morning and in the desert he led his people by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day who spoke the world into existence with a word his arms have lost none of their strength our God can rescue us still but even if he does not we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, who are these guys? Who are these men who have been so shaped by faith in the story of Israel that no matter what, O king, we can be led to this fire, but we will go praising and singing God's glory all the way to the flames because he's a God who's worthy of our everything. We serve him, we love him, we worship him alone. That was these men. So this is the truth. Listen, our God is able to answer our deepest prayers. Know that. But what about when he does not? Think of Job. Remember what he said? He said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Think of Esther, queen said, even though it's against the law, I'm going to go to the king, and if I perish, I, I perish. Now, a lot of us are tempted this way. We, we're tempted to pray, God, if you'll grant me this one request, if you give me what I really want, I'll spend the rest of my life serving you. I'll tell others about you. I will give generously. Whatever you want, will you decide instead to have, even if you don't, Well, you have that kind of faith. It says, I'll still serve you. I'll still love you. I'll still praise your name. Because even if you don't, you're worthy. Maybe you're single this morning and you would love to have a spouse. You've prayed for a spouse. And he can do that. He's able. But what if he doesn't? Or maybe you're facing a financial situation and you've been in debt. Maybe you've been there for years. Our God is able to provide, no doubt about that. But even if he does not, what then? Maybe, maybe you have a physical condition and you're praying for healing. And man, we, we've heard some great stories of God working and healing recently. I think of James Bible has been with us the last couple of weeks and some good things going on there. Praise God. But even if he doesn't, where does that leave us? Where does that leave you? If you have a son or daughter who is just a, 
who's just far away from home, far away from God. God specializes in prodigal sons and daughters, but even if he doesn't deliver just exactly how you believed he should, what then? Because when things go my way, well, I'll live with joy. I'll tell others about God. I'll give generously. But if I get close to the furnace and I begin to feel the heat and it hurts, how many of us are going to bend the knee? How many of us will bow down? Because the reality is we, we get into this mode of self-protection, self-absorption, self pity self-occupation and 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 the reality is the idol that we are tempted by is named me and i want to be okay i i I don't want to hurt i understand and yet these men say it's not about us it's not about me we will worship god and him alone and they teach us so much Nebuchadnezzar (laughs) he looks at these men and he is so moved by their devotion that he sets them free and declares religious liberty in the land oh no he doesn't do that does he no he's not that kind of guy and so Nebuchadnezzar is furious he orders the furnace to be revved up seven times hotter Now, voluntarily then, these men know what's ahead of them. They can feel the heat from a distance here. And all they have to do is say, okay, you win. And, you know, they could ask for forgiveness later. You know, there are are people in China and India and parts of the Middle East, even today, who face the kind of pressure we're talking about. So this is not so far-fetched at all. But these men are are carried up to the furnace. They're filled with courage and I suspect some fear. They're filled with defiance and faith. They, They see the men who are leading them literally collapse and die because of the heat. And then they're in the flame. And then of course something remarkable happens. I love this. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, wait a minute, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the furnace? And they replied, oh, certainly, king. He said, look, I I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. (laughs) What do you think that that fourth man who was there, who can appear from nowhere, who can cheat death, who can appear like a son of the gods? Who might that be? You know, this this furnace, the most amazing thing. Listen, it was to be their end. It was to be the end of the story. But it became the greatest moment ever. And in doing so, we learn this critical truth, don't we? Listen, sometimes God saves us from the furnace. But sometimes God decides to deliver us in the furnace. 
And we need to, we need to understand that this morning. And so listen, God says to people everywhere, and maybe he's saying to some this morning, I'll meet you in the furnace. Are you in the furnace today? You're hurting? Suffering? Frustrated? Disappointed? Maybe even angry? The flames are real. They, they hurt. Because I, I, I really, I'll tell you what I think. I, I think the fourth man in the furnace was Jesus because he, he knows about the furnace. This is what is amazing about our God as we recount the story of Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane that his father would spare him from dying and suffering on that cross, of being executed by his enemies. Who, who were desperate to hang on to power, their empire, the Roman Empire, the Babylon of their day. He, he prayed, he even sweat, drops of blood, praying that he would be spared the pain of carrying our sin on himself. And I can't even imagine the weight and the pressure and the pain of what that meant. And Jesus prayed, Father, I want to be spared this. But even if I am not, let this cup pass from me, but even if it is not, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Because sometimes God delivers people from the furnace, and sometimes he delivers them in the furnace. And because Jesus went for the, to the furnace for you, you can have freedom and hope and faith and trust him because even if he takes you in the furnace, he won't let you be alone. Jesus went to the furnace alone. He won't let you go there alone. We're going we're gonna to have a moment here of worship and song and reflection. I'm going to ask Pastor Jason to come forward. But I do want to close this service a little differently today. And I just want to be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit and, and uh, ask, ask you this. If you feel the flames of the furnace, maybe you're in the furnace or maybe you feel you're heading toward the furnace. Maybe there's a situation where you just say, I, I need prayer. I'm going to invite our, our elders. This weekend we were on a retreat uh, coming together and we said you know one of the things we want to be known as as elders is shepherds good shepherds prayerful shepherds people who care about our people people who who well we, we use the phrase smell like sheep in other words we want to know you we want to be a part of your lives and so I'm going to invite you to come if, if you've got a situation or a concern that you want to be prayed over you can be as open about that or as 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 silent as you want to be but you're carrying a burden you're feeling the heat you're in the flames perhaps but you don't have to be there alone and so i'm, I'm going to right now invite our elders just to come come up to the uh come up to the uh platform and our, our pastor old staff and team who whoever's in the the room and just be ready and again there's nothing nothing magical about this it is just our opportunity to say lord we trust you we believe you're able 
to do beyond what we can think. We just want to acknowledge our faith in you. And maybe this morning, what you need to do is take a step of faith and say, even in this, I'm going to trust you. And even if it does not work out exactly the way I thought it would, I believe that I'm going to meet you there. And one of the reasons God may have taken you to where he has taken you is he wants you to know him better. They didn't see God outside the furnace. They saw him there, and that's where they met him. And I believe God wants to meet us here this morning. So we're going to sing. I'm going to invite you to stand if you would like to come forward for prayer. And again, we can bow, we can stand, we can go to the, uh, sit, whatever we want. But, and then, then we're, as we are praying together, uh, uh, if you need to go, I don't know how long this would be, but, but uh, if, if you need to go, please feel free to do that. That's not gonna, we're not going to hold anyone here longer than necessary. Have complete freedom this morning. But if you need prayer, if you need just to, to spend some time with him and be encouraged by people who love you, uh, this is a good time to do that. Let's make this a house of prayer today. Will you stand with me? And Pastor Jason, will you lead us? And if you're feeling led to come, you may do so.